welcome to Podcast Parables. I'm your host, Courtney Lee, and I am just delighted that you are here with me today. I am so encouraged at the launch of this podcast and am grateful for listeners like you that keep tuning in. The mission and vision of Podcast Parables is to do three things. I would love that we explore scripture and really interact with the stories that we find there. And then also be encouraged that stories have purpose and stories are powerful. And that we can look into the word of God and see ourselves, but more importantly, see the God of this universe and how he weaves himself in all of us. I want you to know that I respect and revere the Bible and history so incredibly much. And I never want to veer from the facts that are written there. But I do want to use my imagination to color in the lines of what could be. So I am thankful that you're joining with me on this journey to explore and interact and encourage with the word. Today, we'll have a few shout outs. The first is to Ellie Powers, the incredible musician who created the intro and exit music for us. You can find all her info, how to follow her on her amazing YouTube channel and her Instagram account on the show notes. And the second shout out is for Mackenzie Gordon of Restless Pursuit Creations. She is the artist who is creating each of the graphics for each of these women and they're just beautiful Uh, she is selling those prints for ten dollars each all you got to do is email her or send her a message on instagram i also want to encourage you to follow her because she offers other custom artwork uh, including family portraits or couple portraits and it's just incredible the work that she does so give her a follow and maybe you'll find something you need as well this is the first season of podcast parables and we are diving in to the unnamed women of the New Testament and their stories. The first one we met was the bleeding woman out of Mark chapter 5. And last week, we were able to meet and interact with Justice or Joseph Barsabbas' wife from Acts chapter 1. And this week, today, we're going to tiptoe into the story of the adulterous woman from John chapter 8. And we'll explore themes like wrongs we've done, as well as wrongs done to us, and then the extension of Jesus' grace for both. I'm praying that you find your story interwoven with hers and impacted by the grace of God today. Enjoy. festival of shelters had just ended and I knew my husband would need to go in very early to the shop to restock and prepare for a busy business day after a week of celebrations and ceremonies. He was a devout Jewish businessman. I knew he would want to get to the shop and get set to be ready for those needing to replenish their supplies after a long holiday. He was an asset to our community and was very committed to his work. Many of the scribes and Pharisees were regulars at the shop. I think he prided himself most for that. They were important, and that made him feel important. As I was saying, Sukkot was my favorite of the festivals. I was always sad to see it come to a close. Something about the ceremonies of water and fire in combination softened my usual hardened outlook on life. I would always try to 
arrive early to get a spot at the very front of the balcony. I loved my view from the colonnade gallery on the roof, watching the fire dancers and musicians and feeling the heat of the four oversized golden menorahs. It was a transformative experience, so different from the day to day. I was mesmerized as the men, well, one in particular, threw his torch into the air, spinning and twisting and twirling, the flame tilting and bending as it rushed through the night sky, and then how he was able to catch it again without getting hurt. I imagined what kind of power that would be, playing with fire and yet not getting burned. Deep within me, I felt the twist of desire. I wanted that power. With each toss, our eyes met. Me gazing down at him from the roof. He gazing up from the dark courtyard. I didn't know him. Just his eyes. Each night, with each throw, our eyes met and my heart raced, the flame ablaze. The final evening ceremony went late into the night and I was one of the last to leave. After a week's worth of celebrating, I was dreading going back to normal life. I walked down the steps of the colonnade and through the corridor to the beautiful gate across the courtyard, slowly taking each step down, my breathing heavy, the light of the moon illuminating my short journey home. I paused on the steps, closing my eyes and taking a deep breath, attempting to stay just a moment more. When I opened my eyes, I saw him in the shadows, eyes flickering. His torch was snuffed, but seeing him there staring at me made my skin feel as if it were on fire. Quickly looking around, I saw there were only a few other tired people heading back to their homes after the long night. I was fairly certain no one knew I existed, let alone noticed me on the stairs that night. But someone must have. I stepped the shadows. I knew I should look away, walk the opposite direction, run from the temptation, but something in his eyes made me hold contact. I walked toward him, holding his gaze, my skirts brushing the top of his boots as I headed down the alley toward home. I could hear his steps behind me. The early morning air was damp and chilly and I shivered. When we arrived, I motioned for him to move into the dark in-between space where he couldn't be seen. I went in the house checking for my husband who I knew would already be at the shop. I saw a bit of movement and heard a few words out the bedroom window and my pulse quickened, alerting me to the reality of what I was doing. Was someone out there? Surely not. Before I had a chance to answer or reconsider, the door opened and in he walked. The flame 
was now gone from his eyes, replaced with an intensity and darkness. My skin was again tingling, this time for a different reason. I I stepped back, trying to assess and adjust the desires within me, and he stepped forward, intent with his. The rest was a blur. The movement and noise outside the window returned, and we were caught. I was mortified. As I lay frozen in fear, in they came, a whole crowd of them shouting and tearing me away from my bed and my home and my dignity. I was able to grab a sheet as they lugged me away and into the streets, back up the hill to the temple courtyard. It was then that I noticed that I, alone, was to be put on trial for my sin. He was nowhere to be seen. Dawn was about to break and there was already a crowd, even though it seems we had all just left. I was mostly worried about staying covered. Turns out I wasn't really the point. They were using me to get to someone else. The man everyone was crowded around until I came onto the scene. The man who diverted his eyes from me. The man who seemed more interested in playing in the dirt than playing their games. I had heard talk about this Jesus of Nazareth. My husband was highly concerned about his heretical claims and insane miracles and general lack of regard for the ways of old. Just yesterday, after the morning march back to the temple from the pool of Siloam, he caught major division within our community, shouting out and claiming that he could provide living water and that through him anyone could come and receive. But I didn't know what to think about that, or him, or anything really. I was never asked to have an opinion. And yet, now, here I was standing mostly naked before him. The men who captured me asked him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Before he stooped back down to write in the dust, he handed me his outer robe. Disregarding my wide-eyed stare with their question entirely, delicately squirmed into it as gracefully as I could without exposing myself completely, covering my body with his garment. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right. My heart stopped. I was to die that day in the cruelest, most painful way possible. I squeezed my eyes shut, my hand covering my mouth, muffling the sound that escaped. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped back down again and wrote in the dust. peeked my eyes back open, holding my breath, 
would they listen to him? The oldest of the group dropped his head and slinked away. Could it be true? The rest of the men followed suit, one by one, until all of my accusers were gone. Their plan foiled again by this man named Jesus. Finally, looking at me, he stood up again. It felt as though time had stopped as his eyes connected with mine and he peered into my soul. His gaze was stark in contrast to the looks that normally fell upon me. The indifference of my husband, the fiery passion of the man in the shadows, the the dark intensity as he entered my house and the excited anger of the mob outside my window and now the pity of the crowd here in the courtyard. His was different. It contained compassion and clarity, seeing me not only for who I was in this ugly and atrocious moment, but who I was created to be. His eyes told a story, not only his own, but mine as well. In that moment, I knew this man really was the one, the Messiah, the one from heaven sent here to rescue and redeem. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, I said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. I simply nodded. I began gathering up the fabric to be able to walk back down the hill toward home, desperate for the shadows to hide my obvious outfit of shame. But I paused at the temple steps and heard his voice carry as he sat back down to resume his teaching. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The sun was just beginning to rise above the horizon line, spilling warmth over the entire city. I tipped my chin up and followed the light home. so much for listening today. I'm humbled to be able to share with you in this capacity and on this platform. 
May only God's name be glorified and honored through this always and forever. This was a tough one, wasn't it? Hers is a story where I definitely don't want to see myself. I don't want to be naked and exposed. I don't want to be embarrassed and ashamed. And yet, in my sin, in our sin, that's all of us, yes? Psalm 62, 5 through 8 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Psalm 62, 5 through 8. Friends, let's remember today that despite our sin and shame, victory and honor are ours as well. Let's go and sin no more, pouring out our hearts to him, for he is our refuge. Oh, you guys, just a huge thank you to those who have listened, have shared, have rated and reviewed this podcast. It helps so much and I am so grateful for your support. It should be on all the major podcast platforms now. So like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, really anywhere you can listen to podcasts, podcast parables should be there. So I appreciate all the support on those different platforms. This week, I just wanna encourage you to make space for the stories around you, from those in the word and those next to you, and even perhaps your very own. One of my favorite podcasters named Sam Collier says, when our story connects with God's story, it becomes a greater story. May that be the case in all of our lives today. On that note, This is Courtney Lee, your podcast parable host, signing off. Have a great week.